it in your head. Season two. I love, I love your vibes tonight. Happy Wednesday, friends, and welcome back to Aquarius Behavior, a best friends podcast. I'm your co-host, Morgan. And I'm your co-host, Samantha. We invite you to hang out with us each Wednesday to take in some chaotic storytelling, low-key learning, and high-quality high audio. audio. That's the app pod promise. Wow. Nailed that. Here we are. Mm. Last book nook <gasps> of the year, Morgan. Can you believe? Season two finale. Wow. Here we are. Wow. Wow. I, I've been uh, feeling a little bit like nostalgic today, knowing that we are coming into the last half of the last book of Jane Austen's, <laughs> I don't know, um, body of work. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for, her body of work. And it feels like we're saying goodbye to a friend today a little bit. It's been wild. Emotions and, are high. Emotions are high. Lounge. And like... Oof. What? Mm, Morgan. Yeah. How are you doing on this Wednesday? Ooh, it's our so, last book nook. It's a banger. We have our drinks. I Yeah, I too. I am feeling uh, just ennui. Oh, maybe is the word that I want to use. Wow. Just we've been talking about reading Jane Austen's books for so long. Like you and I specifically. And we've always wanted to do a Jane Austen book club or something so we could read them all together and discuss. And now we've done that. I can check that off my bucket list. I'm feeling a great sense of accomplishment because also like nobody cares. Nobody cares. This is my own goal. No one else cares. No one gives a fuck what I'm doing. We made this podcast. (laughs) Yes, this is an explicit episode and no one gives a fuck what we're doing. No one gives a fuck what we're doing. That's the thing, Morgan. That's a very good point is that we have been together yelling during the movies or whatever Mm -hmm. adaptation we've been watching and saying, "Mm, we need to read that. And I'm so thankful that we could take our listeners Mm -hmm. along with us. Check. Wow. Check. Yep, so we are reviewing Persuasion Part 2. Part <laughs> Part 2. There's going to be so oh. many spoilers in this. We're going to talk about it, assuming you've read the book. Yeah. And if you haven't and you're going to continue to listen, that is on you. That is your choice. On we? Yeah. On, on we. we. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there? Oh, funny. <laughs> So uh, that's what we're going to do. I need a little refresher, though. Yeah. Before we dive into this. Can someone tell me what happened in the first half of the book? Yeah, because I will tell you, I did as I read part two, I did also back up a little bit. So I started listening at the end of part one that we listened to Mm -hmm. when Louisa had her accident. Yes. I I started listening right after that part. She falls down the stairs (gasps) in Lyme. Head injury. Mm -hmm. It's a head injury. Head injury. Oh, no. Yes. So persuasion. Let's talk persuasion. This is the final book that Jane Austen writes in her lifetime. It is published after her death. Her brother publishes it. Thank you. And we are learning and and getting to know our two main characters, who are Anne Elliot and Frederick Wentworth. Now, their whole shtick is they 
were formally engaged. They were in love, Morgan. They had a whole love story that we only hear about through their narration and other characters. Uh, So we're starting the book. It is seven years after their engagement. Anne has called off this engagement. It was a huge to-do. It's eight. It's It's very awkward. Oh, it's eight years. I think it's eight years. Great. It's too long. It's in the future. Mm -hmm. And so they have now run into each other. Anne's family is not in a good place. They are renting out their home to a captain and this captain's wife happens to be the sister of Frederick. (laughs) And so they are now running in the same circle. It's very awkward. Everything is embarrassing. So we have a classic Austin novel where we are in society. We are amongst our community members and everyone is mingling there's a season and and so we're hearing about these characters we're learning about them from their own perspectives but then also through the perspectives of others as we're meeting all these characters and we're going to balls the and we're going to estates yes we're visiting okay we're going for dinners <gasps> hanging wow. out in drawing rooms <sighs> it's intense so in bath in bath yeah we go to bath in bath in bath oh my god Goodness. So <laughs> when these characters, when Anne and Frederick meet, comes out, they are both still single. They are unmarried. They're in their late 20s. They're in their late 20s. Unmarried? They're still looking hot. Like everyone's just still a little spicy. Mm-hmm. They make Jane Austen says far too many times makes comments about Anne Elliot in this book. Her cheeks are so rosy, Morgan. And how wow, she does look good for a woman of 7 and 20. You wouldn't believe it, but wow. Really keeps herself put together, doesn't she? (laughs) Just so many times. It became too often and I got a little ticked off towards the end. I'm like, just shut up. Okay? Because it's also also mainly like her old male relatives who comment or just, wow, you look even better than the last time we saw you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. How is it possible? (sighs) No one talks about your body. Whatever. Get out of here. So that's what we learn when when we meet Frederick and Anne now. These many years later after their engagement Wentworth is wife shopping he is like he's up there like a freaking accountant just like here's my criteria here's what I have to offer go find me someone so he is he's on a mission he's on a mission to wife up yep we'll see how that goes for him uh we also find out during all this this mingling okay Anne turned down an engagement after Wentworth. <gasps> oh, what? Oh, my goodness. What? So she is seven and 20, unmarried, but by choice? What's that all about? She must be mad, Morgan. Oh, my gosh. So the whole first part of this novel for me was just, it's all whispers, uh, all, all, all sorts of whispers. Just everybody clucking away. Someone knows the secret. Someone doesn't know a secret. Oh, we'll trade secrets. 
And it's all just my worst nightmare of just everybody's talking about me. <laughs> but nobody actually cares. So thank God. Subject but, of conversation, but not <gasps> actually of substance. But I think that's why, you know, that's why we're reading it today, though. Mm-hmm. Because that's still a legitimate fear of human beings, is that <laughs> people, people are, are talking about us. me. I'm being perceived. <laughs> people are having opinions yeah. about me, and I do not have control of wow. that. Just rumors, rumors all over the place. And what's really embarrassing is that Anne and Frederick's first engagement, it was a secret. There were only three other people who knew about this. Mm-hmm. Her dad. Her sister, sister. Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And one other person. Yeah. So there is a leak in the ship. And it just all starts coming out. Okay. Someone's whispering. <laughs> And then all of their acquaintances know and are talking about it. So it's really awkward, okay? And then Louisa has an accident. She falls. She hits her head. It's very serious. And we It happens some... in the middle of just a lovely time. Yeah. Lovely little picnic. They're having a lovely time running down the stairs of Lyme. And after she gets injured, Anne notices this behavior with uh, Captain Wentworth where he's like so concerned about Louisa. Like, he is, like, bargaining. He's going through all the stages oh of grief. Gosh. After, he has a breakdown. Yeah, after she hits her head of, like, what could I have done? All mm-hmm. of those things. So we're kind of in, like, this un... Not, like, ooh, I don't want to say unstable or unbalanced, but, like, off-kilter, unplanned, now emergency situation where people are having mm-hmm. not only responding to the emergency situation, but also regretting their part in not what did they say precipitated they precipitated she precipitated the step i listened to this part so many times and every time it's like precipitated the step um but yeah with her fall Mm -hmm. it is changes the vibe man you're right and it is significant because he's he's a naval officer right he is in stressful situations for a living, you know, he has to make tough decisions on the job. He sees men get hurt. He's probably seen men die. I'm sure of it, you know. And so, like, he's kind of used to that sort of environment. So the fact that he sees this accident, it really, you're right. It says so much about Wentworth's character and how he did. He felt so guilty and he just thought for some reason, you know, him playing him exhibiting this joy with Louisa and playing with her was somehow maybe frivolous and then led to her accident and somehow he's to blame for that. Like, how sad. Oh my goodness. I think that says so much about his character in a couple ways. Like one, how he deals with mistakes, Mm -hmm. you know, like he, regardless of if he was to blame or not, which he's not, it was an, it was a fucking accident. Like yeah, it could do? have happened to anyone. Do? Yeah, <laughs> but people want to play. He feels on the responsible, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when he feels responsible for something, when he feels he's made a mistake, like, how does that affect him? Total shutdown. Like he did. He completely shut he down. Went internal. Oh my gosh, he sure did. And Anne really stepped up to take care of the situation and like calmly prepare things. Which, because you could see, like, he was emotionally connected, right? She was able to kind of put that guard up and be more neutral in the situation, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was such a significant part. So that's why I rewound and I I started 
re-listening right after that. So, you know, Anne stays for a while with Louisa, kind of like helps with her rehab. And then once she sees like, okay, Louisa's going to pull through this, she just has to rest and continue healing. She leaves. Yeah. And like listening to how Jane talks about like the um, effects of the concussion and everything and just what they have to do, like she just has to hang out, man. She just you just sit there, just sit there and let your brain rest. Yeah, we'll see if you live. Good luck. Like, what else are you going to do? The doctor will be by next week. It's a Regency era medicine. What do you do? Like bloodletting. Just like where the leeches. You hate your head. I can't. I can't. Wow. So, okay. So part two of this book, what a doozy. This was a roller coaster for me. This book just gave me life and drained it out of me at the same time. Yes. That's such a good way. It gave you life and drained it out of you at the same time. It's too much. It was too much. Tell me. Okay. So I got to say highlights for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. So going through the highlights a little bit. So after Luisa's injury, here's my kind of synopsis of the key things that happened in the second half. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anne's cousin, William. He becomes a major character. We were introduced to him, okay, in the first half. And it's just like, hey, here's your cousin, William. You know, he's going to maybe somehow be able to inherit the state, you know, all entail shenanigan shit like we always deal with in Jane Austen's novels. So he's the heir and maybe he'll marry Elizabeth. That would be cool. We'll keep it all in the family. Maybe he could marry Anne. We'll keep it all in the family. So there's a little bit of this flirtation going on. And then he becomes a major role, a major character in the second half. And there's a lot more flirting. This is a cousin, by the way. We've got a little incestuous yeah, it's the regency. Uh, insinuation going on here very regency era it's regency era cousin very, love uh, very much so keep it in the family would you like to go through the high points of the book overall and then we can dive into each of them i do have oh, i'm good some... Are you, well do you have something to say about william i because we can do. yeah we can just talk about william right okay. now okay i have <sighs> I have a reading. <clears throat> Fuck boy alert. Yeah. So William. <laughs> so for our readers, excuse me, for our listeners, um, one thing to remember is that at the mm. beginning, Lady Russell was like, don't marry him. Like, just don't marry Colonel Wentworth. Don't do it. Just he's not as great as you think he is. So you shouldn't. Yep. Okay? She was one of the people who persuaded Anne Elliot to not marry Frederick mm-hmm. when they were kids. So yeah. here is... Some commentary from Lady Russell about Mr. Elliot. I am no matchmaker, as you well know, said Lady Russell, being much too well aware of the uncertainty of all human events and calculations. I only mean that if Mr. Elliot should sometime hence pay his addresses to you, and if you should be disposed to accept him, I think there should be Every possibility of your being happy together. A most suitable connection. Everybody must consider it, but I think it might be a very happy one. Mr. Elliot is an exceedingly agreeable man, and in many respects I think highly of him, said Anne. But we would not suit. Lady Russell let this pass. 
and only said in rejoinder, I own to be able to regard you as the future mistress of Kellyanch, the future Lady Elliot, to look forward to see you occupying your dear mother's place, succeeding to all her rights and all of her popularity, as well as to all of her virtues, would be the highest possible gratification to me. You are your mother's self in countenance and disposition, and if I might be allowed to fancy you, I know, right? <laughs> and if I might be allowed to fancy you such as she was in situation and name and home, presiding and blessing in the same spot, and only superior to her in being more highly valued, my dearest Anne, it would give me more delight than is often felt at my time of life. This is... Okay, so she's just laying this down, and then Anne is just... <sighs> no, this is a lot, but it's like... I'm Anne, so upset. Anne was obliged to turn away, to rise, to walk to a distant table, and leaning there, pretended employment, try to subdue the feelings this picture enacted. For a few moments, her imagination and her heart were bewitched. The idea of becoming what her mother had been, of having the precious name of Lady Elliot, first revived in herself, of being restored to Kellyanch, calling it her home again, her home forever, was a charm which she could not immediately resist. Lady Russell said not another word, willing to leave the matter to its own operation, and believing that, could Mr. Elliot at that moment, with propriety, have spoken for himself. She believed, in short, what Anne did not believe. The same image of Mr. Elliot, speaking for himself, brought Anne to composure again. The charm of Kelly Inch and of Lady Elliot all faded away. She could never accept him. And it was not only that her feelings were still adverse to any man save one. Her judgment, on a serious consideration of the possibilities of such a case, was against Mr. Elliot. I felt like that was such a nice glimpse into how Anne is. She's just feeling funky right now. Like she's being mm -hmm. pulled in a lot of directions and she's being manipulated by a lot of people she cares about. Like she cares about Lady Russell. Like it was a long <laughs> pile of words that she said, but she's still ultimately communicating her hopes and dreams for Anne, which is nice. But it's not what Anne wants for herself. And so we're in this chapter. I just felt really pulled in a bunch of directions, especially when she was like, she never could accept him. And it was not only that her feelings were still adverse to any man, save one, her judgment, blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, girl, you're still in love. Mm -hmm. It never died. Your love never died. Yeah. So Mr. Elliot is like the option right now. And she's just like, I'd like to not to, please. Yeah. Morgan, your thoughts. I hate that whole speech. Mm -hmm. It's manipulative. Mm -hmm. So manipulative. Lady okay. Russell. Lady Russell, she's the worst. She is using comparison, right? Comparing Elliot, the late Lady Elliot, to Anne. Uh, she is guilting Anne. She is also weaponizing family connection and family legacy. Which is so ugly. I hate it. I hate all of it. Mm -hmm. um, and the worst, she's prying on this part that she knows exists in Anne. 
because like and that's the thing that and Anne, it's already a wound it like, is it's already it is a wound. wound that's and that's what it is it's not a desire it's a wound that wants this the part of Anne that wants to be lady, lady elliot that isn't an actual desire of hers it is a wounded child part that feels she never had a voice in her family, uh, was never accepted by her family, and isn't desired by her family. And and so that's the part that, of course, lives there. And Anne admits that. She recognizes that and says, yeah, for a moment, I have that amazing feeling of like, what would it be like wistfulness to make all yeah. of like all of my mom's dreams about who I would be and who I would become come true. But that's the thing about family legacy, right? Or should be, is that it's not about you becoming the person your family always wanted you to be. It's becoming the person you want to become. And is your family actually helping you on that road to become that person you mm. want to be? Supporting. Or are they trying to steer you into the direction that they want you to go? Yeah, she already fucked up once, mm. man. Yeah, this is also somebody, obviously, we like, don't want to be taking her advice because... Your comments are unwelcome, <sighs> miss. <laughs> <laughs> trust, zero trust. Zero. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. yeah, that was intense. So, I just felt wow. a lot of heavy feelings. And this is the theme in Austin, is that it you're hanging out in the Regency era, and then all of a sudden you get punched in the guts by the feels. And like... Those, especially lady relationships, women relationships, because this is because mm -hmm. this is essentially her mom's best friend. That's like, but yeah, she's this is like, like what, a mother figure 30, to Anne now. Like 42. Like, she's, mm -hmm. yeah, probably not, not too much older than her. But it's that um, parental like wanting to please, but knowing mm -hmm. that this is just is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Honey, it's just never going to happen. No, this was, yeah, this was hard for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with Anne right now, ugh, that was such a great passage for you to read because I, that also illustrates for me just that internal battle that Anne is feeling right now. Because yeah. also like, it is pretty obvious at this point, like everyone's talking about how William and Anne have been flirting and he's like seriously courting her. Even Wentworth has noticed and has been a little jelly. Well, they've been to second base. Oh, excuse me. Wentworth, you, um, because <laughs> Wentworth has been to second base with Anne. Yeah. I have to assume. And so he knows I mean, yeah. how, I mean, I'm, I assume, I'm doing some Regency era assumptions here. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, he's getting super jelly uh, seeing Anne hanging out with Mr. Elliot. Yes. And so everyone is noticing and everyone's talking about it. And it's pretty obvious that Anne has an in here and she has got th there's not an official offer, but like there's one pending. There's <laughs> like, an we're pretty sure. Insinuation of in an offer. Right. And so, you know, she's got that where it's like, wow, you could go down this one path where it's pretty much a sure thing and you could be secure even though you don't really like this guy and turns out one of your besties has said, no, 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 no. He's ish. Don't do it. Mrs. Smith. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness oh, for her. Because yeah, we'll she's on her. my post-it next, let mm -hmm. me tell you. Mm -hmm. um, 
let's go there, shall we? <gasps> Mrs. Smith. <sighs> wow. What a friend. What a kind friend. We touch on Mrs. Smith a couple times in the second half of the book. Once we're introduced to her and Mrs. Smith is essentially a woman who has fallen on hard times. She mm-hmm. is unable to uh, reclaim some of her husband who's passed away, his lands and property and things mm-hmm. like that. So Mrs. Smith is hanging out and Anna's like, oh my gosh, my friend is here. Yeah. And I'm going to go see her and spend time with her. And it's very interesting how different people in the book refer to or talk about Anne's poor friend, Mrs. Smith. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, it seems like some characters are very embarrassed for her situation. Uh, I didn't read or hear a lot of empathy. And and that's exactly, there's nothing shameful about Mrs. Smith's situation, at least in my opinion. Like, regardless of what your situation is, like, don't feel shame for hard times. Shit happens. We're just humans trying to figure it out on this earth together. And you're hmm. just a woman in the Regency era who does not have control of any of your dead <laughs> no. husband's. You have no mm-hmm. control over your assets. So her, she is a widow. Her husband has recently passed and she is in the middle of a legal battle, essentially, for his assets, which, like you said, include a lot of properties, some homes. And so for her trying to get the assistance that she needs and trying to get the money she needs to hire the lawyers and do the thing is proving difficult to write the letters. She doesn't have the money to get the people to do the things. And so she's really in like this purgatory situation. She's in between homes, uh, not living on the streets, but you know, like that's a possibility. And so those are all very real and like in her realm. And I find Mrs. Smith's character fascinating because, you know, there might be a mention of a character who like, oh, they got pregnant or oh, they were divorced or oh, they were widowed. But they're not somebody that we know so intimately as this. And so there was a great lot of discomfort for me, um, but also a lot of pride, like watching our main character, like show compassion um, to see that she is a person of integrity where, hey, yeah, when a friend falls on hard times, if someone that she knows and loves falls on hard times, she's loyal to them. She's going to be She's going to stick. Even if she doesn't have any answers, she has no way to help you. <laughs> like, she's going to stick it out with you. I'm here. She'll be there. Yeah. Just to listen and be like, wow, this sucks. <laughs> Steadfastness <laughs> is one of the mm-hmm. character traits that really yeah. just stood out to me with Anne and I think her relationship with Miss Smith is a good example of that of just yeah. I will be your friend through all the hard times and even though we mm-hmm. don't know how to uh deal with this essentially pile of papers <laughs> yeah that we need someone um who doesn't have who isn't us mm-hmm. sort this out so that cuz she has the opportunity to fix it all but there's this roadblock and that's so frustrating yeah, I felt frustrated reading a lot of this with Anne mm-hmm. just talking with Mrs. Smith and the the socioeconomic situation that she found herself in. Yeah. And, yeah. and the struggle of being a woman in that time period, because, you know, that is why 
there is this desperation for girls to get married as soon as possible because it is really the bottom line is it's about safety. And so they have to get married because they cannot own property. They cannot have a job. Um, they can't own their own bank account. I mean, they need a man to do all of those things legally. So ladies are an accessory. They are. Regency are in this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so but even then, it, I mean, we so all of Jane Austen's novels have been like, OK, let's get married. But what happens after we get married? Well, we get a glimpse of that with Mrs. Smith because, yeah, what happens? Not everybody gets to live a long, healthy life. You know, tragedy does strike. And how do we deal with that? And the in sickness and ooh, in health, in yes. yeah, the till death do us part, part of yep. love and relationships and post-married life. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's kind of like this dark reminder, too, that, hey, marriage doesn't always fix everything and like that's not oh that definitely you know it's like hey (laughs) we were in love and you know she's supposed to be safe and she's still not and she's dealing with all this legal shit after her husband has died and she's not safe still so uh, like that was uh, that was just a lot it was a lot to take in in the second half of this book because then i was on edge with Mrs. Smith's storyline and I just want the best for her and I'm still concerned for Anne and it's just bringing up yeah the struggle of women at the time and Anne just like can't help her family <gasps> has overspent we all can't their do money anything. yeah we can't we're completely helpless yeah. so I'm just feeling just hanging out I'm just feeling helpless and we don't we we don't know Wentworth's feelings at this time so like nothing still is a mystery certain she is likely going to turn down now you know, whatever advances are coming from William because Mrs. Smith has said he's a dog. Mm-hmm. He's a dirty, oh. do- dirty, dirty dog. Yeah. So we find we find out. We find out, Morgan. We got to talk about this for a moment. Uh, we find out that Mr. Elliot was in charge of helping Mrs. Smith deal with her dead husband's estate. Because how do how does she know him? Mm-hmm. That was apparently... Her husband's best Best friend friend back in the day. And so we find out that Mr. Elliot is actually a Regency era fuckboy. He's He's a weenie. He's such a weenie. He's such an asshole. Weenie. And he essentially just doesn't Mm -hmm. complete the job for Mrs. Smith. He dips out and is like, "Um, bye. I'm not going to answer your letters or give a shit. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty Um, sure. Does he embezzle from her as well? I okay. I don't. I did. Mm, it was unclear to me, but I also just kind of assumed part of that because, like, where is he getting all this money? <laughs> yeah, like, he's just gallivanting around, and he's so <sighs> handsome, and everybody's talking about so yeah. Just so, <laughs> um, there was Dumb. a letter. We also got a lot of letters in here, which was oh, nice. we did get a lot of letters. Um, I we did because then everyone gets married. It's just like Luis is better. And she's going to get married to somebody. And Elizabeth's going to get married to somebody. Everyone's getting married. Oh, my gosh. Yay. And then we get a whole bunch of letters as well. Okay. And, of course, we learn things through these letters. It's so As good. we do in Austin novels. Okay. It's juicy. <gasps> it is juicy. Hey, Abbot listeners. Hope you're feeling groovy. And this episode is bringing a slice of nice to your day. Did you know you could follow AquariusBehavior.pod on Instagram? to see weekly episode updates and behind-the-scenes podcast pictures. Yeah, it's true. 
You can also email the show at AquariusBehavior.pod at gmail.com to share your friendship stories or suggest a segment. Stay hydrated, buddies. Now on with the show. So with this one, this part, um, Mr. Elliot, we're talking about Mr. Elliot, mm-hmm. Anne and Mrs. Smith, they're all hanging out. And Is this Mr. Elliot her father? No. So Okay, this is, William. So yeah. Got it. Yep. Exactly. William Elliot. Okay. William Elliot. So... She says, Mr. Elliot is a man without heart or conscience, a designing, wary, cold-blooded being who thinks only of himself, who for his own interest or ease would be guilty of any cruelty or treachery that could be perpetrated without risk of his general character. He has no feelings for others, those whom he has been the chief cause of lending of leading into ruin, he can neglect and desert without the smallest compunction. He is totally beyond the reach of any sentiment of justice or compassion. Oh, he is black at heart, hollow and black. Anne's astonished air, an exclamation of wonder, made her pause. And, in a calmer manner, she added, My expressions startle you. You must allow for an injured, angry woman. But I will try to command myself. I will not abuse him. I will only tell you what I have found him. Facts shall speak. He was the intimate friend of my dear husband. And then she goes into the story. I just loved. Wow. I loved when my audiobook narrator was like, <sighs> my expressions startle you. You must allow for an injured, angry woman. But I will try to command myself. <sighs> Oh, those were, oh, I just got, I just gave myself chills. You must allow for an injured, angry woman. And now I'm going to tell you a story, bitch. (laughs) Those were strong words. She does not hold back. That would startle Mm. me, too, if I was like, hey, I'm kind of casually, like, talking to this, like, I'm kind of casually texting this guy right now. And, like, I, you know. He smiled at me the other day. Saw his profile and swiped right. At the theater. Is that what you still do? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm an old married lady now. I don't know. I don't know how to date. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Listen to this podcast. That's how you do it. Wow. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to read from this section, because uh, I just there was some good, there was some good just like deep thoughts. I I enjoyed the glimpses into the thought process or like really the inner moments of judgment. I think that's oh, what it is. It was this oh, yes. book is just oh. some judgy bitches at the end. Okay. It says, uh, and she's finally done after like three or four pages telling her the whole story. They read the letter that talks some shit about Mm -hmm. Anne's family, too, where Mr. Elliot was like, ugh, I had to hang out with old Mr. Elliot and it was crap. Mm-hmm. And Anne's just a bunch just of like, smoke and mirrors. Yeah, just uh, he's he's a lion the whole bullshitter. time. And he just really was annoyed by everybody and put on a happy face about it. <sighs> all right, Anne's sitting there. I'm very glad to know all this, said Anne. After a little thoughtfulness, it will be more painful to me in some respects to be in the company with him, but I shall know better what to do. My line of conduct will be more direct. Mr. Elliot is evidently a disingenuous, artificial, worldly man who has never had any better principle to guide him than selfishness. Oh, wow. I just loved 
better principle to guide him than selfishness. There's just some savage lines in this book. There are. And so it's, there's, it's, there are just so many where I was like, (gasps) dagger, dagger, dagger to the chest. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Devastating. Yep. And it's, I would say another theme with Austin novels is the first half of her books tends to be slow. We build character. There's a lot of just overview. And then her second half goes fast. It is, it just rolls. It goes fast and it goes hard. <gasps> fast and hard. Uh, over and over and over and over. Can we talk about, um, like, I'm going to throw in um, for Morgan, page numbers like 206, 207, 208, 209. Mm-hmm. Can we talk? Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Captain Wentworth? And him just standing on the sidelines oh listening to Anne talk to Captain oh. Harville, right? Oh They're having this whole conversation in this drawing room area. They're hanging out. People are in and out, and they're all landing in this room. It's the end of the book. It's the end of the book. And there, we're just like, do they love each other? We don't know. We know Anne is yearning for oh my gosh. Captain Wentworth. We know that Captain Wentworth is making a lot of eye contact and being in the proximity. This was like the hottest thing ever. Okay. okay. Because this whole. Because I'm going to read this whole book. It's just six paragraphs. Temptation Mm -hmm. to the max. And we're all just, we're looking at each other across the room. We can feel each other's auras. There is just an otherworldly connection, but we cannot touch each other. It's too much. I am going to burst. Okay. Oh, my God. Hold your bursting until I am done. Here we go. So I'm going to jump into the middle of the conversation, but they're pretty much talking about, like, who feels deeper, men or women? Who has deeper emotions and more compassion? Yeah, I love and more that just Captain like, Harville is there to just, just like, like, monitor the situation. Ugh. He's like, okay, every, okay, kids. Let's, uh, he's There's the interpreter almost. in the room. Oh, my gosh. Ah, cried Captain Harville in a tone of strong feeling. If I could but make you comprehend what a man suffers when he takes a last look at his wife and children and watches the boat that he has sent them off in as long as it is in sight and then turns away and says, God knows whether we'll ever meet again. And then if I could convey to you the glow of his soul when he does see them again, when coming back after a twelfth month's absence, perhaps, and obliged to put into another port, he calculates how soon it will be possible to get them there pretending to deceive himself and saying they cannot be here until such a day, but all the while hoping for them 12 hours sooner and seeing them arrive at last. And then I'm going to go to Anne's part. Oh, cried Anne eagerly. I hope I do justice to all that is felt by you and by those who resemble you. God forbid I should undervalue the warm and faithful feelings of any of my fellow creatures. I should deserve utter contempt if I dared to suppose that true attachment and constancy were known only by a woman. Now let's remember um, Captain Wentworth is hanging out at a desk about 10 feet away at this time. So there's a lot of hush tones. Oh. They're probably whispering. Yeah. This is secrets. This yeah. is very awkward. This is like this by is, a window. Oh god. Tight, whispered conversation. Tight, tight butthole mm-hmm. moment for Everyone sure. Everyone is clenched. Oh no. Okay. <clears throat> No, I believe you capable of everything great and good in your married lives. I believe you equal to every important exertion and every domestic forbearance, so long as, if I may be allowed the expression, 
so long as you have an object. I mean, while the woman you love lives, and lives for you, all the privilege I claim for my own sex, it is not a very enviable one, you need not covet it, it is that of loving longest, when existence, or when hope is gone. She could not immediately have uttered another sentence. Her heart was too full, her breath too much oppressed. You are a good soul, cried Captain Harville, putting his hand on her arm quite affectionately. There's no quarreling with you. And when I think of Bennick, my tongue is tied. So, they have that whispered conversation about their deep feelings and about who... I just... This this line at the end just really tore my heart out. Um, it's... <laughs> Is that of loving longest when existence or when hope is gone? Ow. <sighs> Women love longer. It hurts. Because what are they doing? Well, Anne's just They're sitting home. there They're being reminded in love. of everything yeah. all the time. Just there to think. Men no go off on adventures. They have a job. They have other things to occupy them. Women's lives are based in the home and in family. Their worth is rooted there. Captain Wentworth was folding up a letter in great haste and either could not or would not answer fully. He, like Hargrove just answered him a question or something. Yes, said he. Very true. Here we separate. But Harville and I shall soon be after you. That is, Harville, if you are ready, I am half a minute. I know that you will not be sorry to be off. I shall be at your service in half a minute. Then all of them left. They walk out of the room. And now Anne. She only had time, however, to move closer to the table where he had been writing. When footsteps were heard returning, the door opened. He was himself. He begged their pardon. But he had forgotten his gloves. And instantly crossing the room to the writing table, he drew out a letter from under the scattered paper, placed it before Anne with eyes of glowing entreaty, fixed on her for a time and hastily collecting his gloves, was again out of the room. Almost before Miss Musgrove was aware of him being in it, the work of an instant. I need to pause here. Morgan. He was writing at a desk for five minutes, or ten minutes, while she was having this whispered emotional conversation. And now he's placed a document? He was supposed to be that whole time being... He wrote a full-ass other letter while he wrote this letter. That's the thing that I love about this is that <laughs> while that conversation was happening, he completed not only his homework, but his extra credit of this extra thing that he's written. Mm -hmm. Comments before we continue. Oh, <laughs> my God. I didn't know how much this scene would do it for me, but this scene just this scene did it for me, man. And they're right there. Everyone's standing in the he's, room. Like everyone's passing each other. They're in like, the soup. What? <laughs> And then, and then, <clears throat> the letter, with a direction hardly legible, to Miss A. E., was evidently the one which he had been folding so hastily, while supposed to be writing only to Captain Benwick. He had been also addressing her. On the contents of the letter depended all which this world could do for her. Anything is possible. Morgan, it's this moment before she reads this letter. Fucking anything <laughs> is coming. Are you going to cry? Um, anything was possible. 
anything might be defied rather than suspense. I just feel like this is such a good buildup. Sorry, guys. Here we go. Anything was possible. Anything might be defied rather than suspense. Mrs. Musgrove had little arrangements of her own at her own table to the protection she must trust and sinking into the chair which she had occupied, succeeding to the very spot where he had leaned and written her eyes devoured the following words. Okay, so here's what I am getting. I am getting middle school vibes right now, passing notes. Like we are in the classroom and the boy that I like has slipped a note over to me. He's passed it in my locker literally during passing time. And I said hi to him. I saw him and we waved to each other. He gave me a little head nod. And then I go to my locker and a note falls out and it's all folded. And I'm like, what? Why didn't you just give me this? I literally just saw you. What has happened? What could be so urgent in this note? (sighs) My heart is racing. Oh my gosh. Anything, what does the note say? Anything was possible, Morgan. Say, I'm gonna tell you. This is last book nook, and we're gonna read this whole letter, you guys. Here we go. <clears throat> Morgan, is there any part that you'd like to read? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I'm getting into my. I can listen no longer in silence. I must speak to you by such means that are within my reach. You pierce my soul. I am half agony, half hope. Tell me not that I am too late, that such precious feelings are gone forever. I offer myself to you again with a heart even more your own than when you almost broke it eight years and a half ago. Pause for conniptions. (laughs) Oh my God. (sighs) Clench, Morgan. We're almost, we're keep going. Dare not say that man forgets sooner than woman, that his love has an earlier death. I have loved none but you. Unjust I may have been, weak and resentful I have been, but never inconstant. You alone have brought me to bath, for you alone I think and plan. Have you not seen this? Can you fail to have understood my wishes? I had not waited even these ten days. Could I have read your feelings? as I think you must have penetrated mine? I can hardly write. I am every instant hearing something which overpowers me. You sink your voice, but I can distinguish the tones of that voice when they would be lost on others. Too good, too excellent creature. You do us justice indeed. You do believe that there is true attachment and constancy among men. Believe it to be most fervent, most undeviating, in... I must go, uncertain of my fate, but I shall return hither or follow your party as soon as possible. A word, a look will be enough to decide whether I enter your father's house this evening or never. Oh my God. Get out. Get out. I read that like with my foot out and my body like clenched in the chair. It's so forceful. It's so... Uh, direct. It's so I'm hearing what you're saying as I'm writing and I cannot contain my feelings. It's just how well Wentworth knows her. And and because we've seen this before with both of them, like to me, this is kind of an equivalent scene to when Louisa gets hurt. Right. And how um, G- 
yeah. I almost called her Jane Anne, right? She's sensing all of this distress. Just she's able to really pinpoint um, so precisely and sensitively what his feelings are or how they're changing. Like they are just so in tune to one another, even after all of this time, you know? Uh, and so like he said, I mean, okay, this is th- this is a real attachment. Like you aren't denying that either, that there is real attachment here. It is something serious. It is something worth pursuing. And it's just, there's something so sexy about that yeah. where, you know, the fact that, a partner or a just someone who's courting me is that in tune to me like they're paying that much attention to me where they can just kind of go off of inflections in my voice when i'm whispering the undertone and that is going to trigger my feelings to them Mm -hmm. i mean there's something just so sexy about that like on a primal level yeah. of being that connected to another human being that you're just setting off those vibrations and they're catching them. It's about the vibes. What? That's what I was going to say. It's, it's all about it's the vibes. all about the vibes. This and was... he is just <sighs> picking up Morgan. This book is about vibes, dude. Yeah. This and he's just like, book. hey, I can't listen any longer. Like, Mm-mm. I need to say these things. Again, this is all just shit that you wrote in uh, an eighth grade note in middle school and slipped it into your crush's locker. And you're like, um, hey, I'll come for you after seventh grade, after seventh period band practice, okay? That's right. After gym class? Yeah, I gotta... Change out of my shorts. I gotta soak my clarinet reeds. <laughs> that'll be over, baby. <laughs> oh, clarinet reeds. That just took me back, man. That chapstick that you had to put on... The cork, okay, clarinet, wow. clarinetist, clarinetist. Yeah, out that there. letter was everything. thing. It, it was, was fucking fire. fire. It is also so short and to the point because usually when we get this letter, we've gotten it from many, many, oh my gosh, many. Darcy wrote like oh, seven pages. So man. many. Every every one of our heroes writes a letter to our heroine mm-hmm. at the end of an Austin novel yeah, it's so to good. explain his feelings apologize for something and <laughs> whatever be like, he needs to apologize for. you know he's gonna apologize for his part uh-huh. he's gonna say hey here's my perspective which i love because like that matters like the voice of the person that you are entering a relationship with in matters yes this is a book jane austen writes books about women but they're also about men understanding she, there women. is commentary on men of the time right and so Wentworth he also you know we're kind of hearing from his letter where it's like oh he's also been influenced and succumbed to peer pressure of here are ways that he should act or here are feelings that he should hold back because of events that have happened or because what they are now oh these rules (laughs) and so I love this whole fuck everything moment like and he even says too he's like I don't fucking know what I'm doing I don't know where this is going like I'm half agony half hopeful that something I don't know but he's just like he's fucking doing it and thank god he does because Anne would never she would never she wouldn't do it I have loved none Frederick but you had to take <sighs> this step he had yeah. to go out on the limb for them can we just imagine him oh furiously god. writing with two hands two different <laughs> letters 
Do you think he's ambidextrous? Yeah, just like he really like in tune to his powers when he was. No, that's. It just. I just love the. I can listen no longer in silence. It just. He demands attention. Yeah. He demands to be heard. No. And And like, how dare you say that? Like. Men this don't have easier. feelings. This would be easier on men. Yeah. No. Not this even. Isn't. We have hearts. We feel things. We feel deeper. Okay. Heart There's the lots of feelings. <gasps> it's so deep. <laughs> it's nice. So, I love that, you know, Wentworth got his moment. Um, we he the profession of love, which we Oh, that would be Remus digging a little carpet bed for himself. Yeah. Um as we always do. And then, of course, they talk about it. Oh, we talk about how oh they've loved God. each other the whole time. Okay, so I need to talk about page 219. Okay, great, because um, I have oh my. starred something on page 218. So if um, you have some, we should read just a lot of it. Great. Yeah. Great. What do you have to start? No, on it just two eighteen. <clears throat> so editing Samantha. Uh, it says I have been thinking over the past and trying impartially to judge the right and wrong. So it's where <gasps> he is monologuing yep. and reading all the part all the way to Good God He Cried You Would. Yeah. It's not that I did whatever. So yep. would you just read that whole art? That's exactly what I wanted to talk about too. I have been and, thinking okay. over the past and trying impartially to judge Ow. of the right and the My wrong. Heart. Okay. So Great. just to give everybody context, there are 223 pages in our version of this book and we are reading on page 218. So it is it is the fourth quarter. It's the final hour here. Okay. I mean, we got to kick this relationship field goal in order to win. <laughs> relationship field goal. Yes the game and go to regionals yeah yeah. relationship regionals okay (laughs) for all you sports people out there post game breakdown yeah who says sports and austin don't go together oh no they sure do okay so wentworth is now yes as you said he is monologuing now to Anne. i have been thinking over the past and trying impartially to judge of the right and wrong i mean with regard to myself and i must believe that i was right much as I suffered from it, that I was perfectly right in being guided by the friend whom you will love better than you do now. To me, she was in the place of a parent. Do not mistake me, however. I am not saying that she did not err in her advice. It was perhaps one of those cases in which advice is good or bad only as the event decides. And for myself... I certainly never should, in any circumstance of tolerable similarity, give such advice. But I mean that I was right in submitting to her, and that if I had done otherwise, I should have suffered more in continuing the engagement than I did even in giving it up, because I should have suffered in my conscience. I have now, as far as such a sentiment is allowable in human nature, Nothing to reproach myself with. And if I mistake not, a strong sense of duty is no bad part of a woman's portion. Okay, pause there. Devastating, okay? Because now she's just falling back on, again, duty. Just like, well, hmm. Um, Sorry, we're not starting with Wentworth. That was Anne's uh, little monologue there. Just saying, hey, 
bummer, things didn't work out. Like, yep, I took someone's advice and that Lady Russell's, yeah, worked poorly. Mm-hmm. Yep. But also, I mean, you know, now I'm like being dutiful to my family. He looked at her, looked at Lady Russell, and looking again at her, replied as if in cool deliberation. Not yet. But there are hopes of her being forgiven in time. I trust to being in charity with her soon. But I, too, have been thinking over the past, and a question has suggested itself, whether there may not have been one person more my enemy even than that lady. My own self. How? But how, Morgan? Tell me if, when I returned to England in the year eight, with a few thousand pounds and was posted into the Lasonia, if I had then written to you, would you have answered my letter? Would you, in short, have renewed the engagement then? Would I? Was all her answer, but the accent was decisive enough. Good God, he cried, you would! It is not that I did not think of it or desire it, as that could alone crown all my other success. But I was proud, too proud to ask again. I did not understand you. I shut my eyes and would not understand you or do you justice. This is a recollection which ought to make me forgive everyone sooner than myself. Six years of separation and suffering might have been spared. Ugh. Keep going. Sorry. Just, ah. (laughs) Feelings. Six years of separation and suffering. (sighs) It is a sort of pain, too, which is new to me. I have been used to the gratification of believing myself to earn every blessing that I enjoyed. I have valued myself in honorable toils and just rewards. Like other great men under reverses, he added with a smile. I must endeavor to subdue my mind to my fortune. I must learn to brook being happier than I deserve. Ow. He's got to learn how to deal with being happier than he deserves now that he has Anne. Oh, my gosh. But he could have saved both of them six years of feelings. They ended up together, but what a fucking road to get there. He didn't think he was good enough. She then didn't think she was good enough. Everyone was just sitting around filled with pride. And self-conscious. Self-consciousness. Oh, my gosh. gosh. So much of it. Of course. Yeah. Well, and I saw so much of Anne, her, like, throughout the book, she knows that she fucked up. And we talked about this in part one. And that is the hardest part of the first part of this book for me is just... Anne having to come to terms with the fact that she made a mistake. She made a mistake. Um, but also the the guilt that's there, but also this mourning, right? This loss of family for her where she trusted. She just said it here like, you know, Mrs. Russell, that was like a mother figure to me. And I trusted her. I trusted her to give me advice. And hey, wasn't bad advice like to each their own. That may have been the best advice for somebody else. But it wasn't for me. It was wrong for me. <laughs> Mrs. Russell was not interested in me. She was just interested objectively in what she thought the best course of action was. On paper. On paper, right? And so I love that acknowledgement right there of like, 
there's no blame. We're not blaming Mrs. Russell. She's not a villain of the story. There's no villains. This is all a book about choices. It's a book about choice and consequence. Girl, yes. Right? And consequences aren't always bad. Consequence is just an effect. Okay. This is how we got here. This is what happened. This is what happened. This these were the choices <sighs> that she made with the information that she had at the time. Yeah. And there's some mourning and also some forgiveness that she has to go through with a lot of forgiveness with herself. Oh, for sure. Forgiveness to Mrs. Russell. Mm-hmm. For, just there's a lot of assessment once the pieces are all falling into place because now they do get to live happily ever after which is pretty fucking cute well okay so yeah Yeah. some themes of this book Mm -hmm. right forgiveness that was such Mm -hmm. a big one that i wrote down because it is it's forgiveness of yourself but then also forgiveness of the person that hurt you because Anne has to go through i think a lot of forgiveness because she knows that she's hurt frederick she knows that she was wrong (laughs) He made a mistake. Um, and she has to forgive that. You know, she's feeling a lot of shame from that. Um, there's also like a question of her character now, right? Who is she uh, really? You know, what does she actually believe? Um, what does she say versus what does she do? These are all questions. Um, this is also like I think about this and I know that we, you know, we we didn't dive into their relationship we are just told as the reader hey they were secretly engaged a while ago Mm. um but i imagine regency era second base yeah Mm. and i imagine just how strong that would be like this is your first love right just Mm. how strong those feelings are how fierce they are how sweet it is Mm. i mean that's huge and so we have also just this huge betrayal, right? Like there's a lot of judgment in this book. There is a lot of betrayal. There is regret. There's pride. And then we get to the end and finally we get redemption, right? Mm, Sweet, sweet redemption. It's just, it's so beautiful. And the fact that like they're both able to bring to the table these confessions of like, where they're feeling guilty, I think is so beautiful and powerful because like the whole question in this book really has been, how do we move forward after trust is lost? What do we do? Right. Because that is really what was happening with Anne and Frederick. They were engaged. Like they were going to be married. There's a huge amount of trust. They have this secret engagement and Anne calls it off. Like that is devastating you know how do we move forward from that when trust is broken um how do we move forward after betrayal you know in any type of relationship but especially a romantic one in the marriage you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah that that whole part was so powerful and i read it you know we're just a couple couple pages away from the whole end of this book that's the nightmare about these oh novels is that you're ticking down the pages <sighs> like there's three pages left yeah but yeah and there's it but i just love it this whole book is about second chances and and the last page you so know beautiful. you know what uh it's so beautiful mr wentworth does for mrs smith Oh, he takes care of her. He does all of the things that Mr. Elliot was going to do so that Mrs. Smith now 
is able to enjoy mm-hmm. whatever the lands and property was. So by him like coming into Anne's life again, Anne regains a best friend who is not in low-key crisis. Yeah. Um, she's able to have a stable, you know, mm-hmm. get herself on her feet. And so yeah. she talks about how she, you know, gained two things at mm-hmm. the end of this book, too. I just think it's really, really beautiful that Mrs. Smith didn't get forgotten about. Um, mm-hmm. Because she was an unexpected character in here that I was like, Anne's just hanging out all of a sudden. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, who the heck is this Mrs. Smith? And why is her story so tragic? Yeah. So I love that Jane was like, nope, don't worry. I got Mrs. Smith. Don't yeah. worry. She's going to be taken care of. How does your significant other treat your friends? Yeah. And vice versa. Oh, 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 what do your oh, friends oh, oh. have to say about your significant other? What does your significant other have to say about your friends? Ooh. Those are all. Don't ignore that. Ooh. That's important. That's a whole nother podcast episode. Mm. Wow. Wow. I just overall, this book was a snack. This book was a fucking snack. Yeah. Um, it truly for me was like the most happily ever after because it was hard to get through this. And I have to say, my perspective of I just got married seven months ago <laughs> and reading this book. That hit, man. That hit. Um, because you know, we're in the honeymoon phase, baby. Yeah. Yay. Everything is rainbows and sunshine. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that marriage is long and it's hard. It's there are hard parts. And so tumultuous times. This is so this book was fascinating for me because Jane Austen chose a topic that she has not tackled before, which is the what happens after we fall in love? You know, what happens when inevitably someone disagrees, Life someone happens. gets hurt, someone betrays someone else. Someone like, falls down the stairs, What Morgan? happens? Yes. Yes, there are medical <laughs> emergencies in our family. It just kept on happening. Man. It's like, you know, so that part is just fascinating to me. And I think also so important because I know for me being like a young girl, I see today even most books are about falling in love it's about like oh my god my first boyfriend the noticing the feeling yeah love i mean it's important hello god it's me margaret what up um (laughs) you know there needs to be visibility to that and what those feelings are like and what's safe and what is good and cool and what they feel like Mm -hmm. but there's also not a lot of visibility to what happens after (laughs) like which i think is really important and we've seen at least i have you know on social media where there's special accounts geared toward you know trying to be more real or hey let's look at like the tough parts and talk about how how we get through that in life Mm -hmm. and like how we go through it and how we move to the other side how do we move forward and so i think our society is like really paying attention to that but at this time in the regency era you know we're at the beginning of we're not even to 1820 yet we're on the cusp it's on the cusp of the 1820s here and you know jane austen is at the end of her life writing this book and i can't help think of that too reading it yeah and this one and northanger <sighs> abbey she had her hands on <sighs> before she passed away yep yeah. And this was her last completed one. This is the very she went back last and, completed yeah. book that she wrote. Thanks, Before John Austin. she passed away. Yeah. And like, I can 
see the maturity here. I have kind of some ideas of what may have been on her mind. You know, she is now a woman in her 40s. Her health is declining. And yet here she is writing this book that is filled with hope. And I think that for me was just so incredible. Like, you know, she's kind of in a similar situation as Anne where it's like, okay, what do we have going for us? Like, we're quote unquote past our due date by societal standards. We're expiring. You know, and um, this is what she chooses to spend her last months on Earth doing is writing this beautiful story about forgiveness, about redemption and ultimately about hope. And I am so in love and I can't wait to read this again. (laughs) For real. Now that I know what it's waiting and hoping and staying true to yourself And appreciating the ones who see you in your circle. Mm -hmm. I think that's what Anne saw a lot was who actually sees who she is for who she is. Oh, Mm -hmm. beautiful book, Morgan. Oh, I loved it. Oh, wow. This is a great way to wrap up Book Nook for the year. Oh, man. (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know. This is so good. Wow. Wow. Morgan, do you have, reflecting on the six books we read, Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, Emma, Mansfield Park, Northanger Abbey, Persuasion. I'm actually impressed that I just did them all. Way to go. Do you have a, like, order, a standout, a, are you simmering on it? I'm still simmering mm-hmm. because I and I okay, it's hard because I'm still digesting Persuasion and Northanger Abbey because it was my first exposure yeah. to either of those. Yeah. I, I knew nothing going in. Absolutely nothing. Um so I have to think about this one. Yeah, me too. And these were also just these last two books were so different from her first four. Yes. Like Northanger Abbey was kind of out there and then this one was just completely new territory like youthful a youthful perspective in Northanger Abbey and a mature perspective in Persuasion Mm -hmm. and it's a really interesting um, duality the dissonance between the two if Mm. you will Mm -hmm. they're just it's it's an abrupt change but I love that her last book does feel so mature and it does feel like it like it ends and like, yeah, there's a, f- a finality to mm-hmm. just the the voice in this book that I loved. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a favorite because the last half of Persuasion went so hard. And because I'm immersed in it, I want to yell about how Persuasion is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But there's so many memorable moments from the books, like Catherine being caught. In the mom's room in Northanger Abbey. Oh my gosh. Or like Emma embarrassing herself in front of everyone in the field, trying to be too posh. Like there's so many iconic. Do you have any moments to throw out? Oh my God. All of them. I'm also just still so (sighs) in persuasion right now. And I think because it is because when Louisa fell down the damn (sighs) stairs, girl, let me tell you too much. I had to listen to that over again because it came just so abruptly. I, I, mm, no, I could not. Stare injuries. 
Everyone watch out for stairs. Overall. Overall. For no reason in specific, but overall, please, if you could just be careful around stairs, that'd be super helpful. Abpod is actually like pro stair safety. Um, So, but that's a highlight from this book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stair safety. Yeah. I honestly like, I think her ankle. I think I would need to do like a whole other episode that's just like now because I want to like compare them. We got to break it down. And breaking them down more because there's just so much. Yeah, and the, my brain is just it feels like scrambled eggs. The first pass is so hard because I have 12 opinions about every like big mm-hmm. moment. And I do think that it would be just a blast taking those moments from different books and comparing and contrasting and oh, talking about hope and the the different spectrum of like heroines that we've had in our Jane Austen novels from like Emma being so masculine and like forthright and we have like Marianne who's so like pig-headed and like not pig-headed um she's so like hard-headed and like headstrong that's mm. the word i was looking yes. for and then we have like Anne who is just like dealing with the shame but then this maturity that we're it just is so fascinating and I could continue but I'm not going to because we just need to have a whole separate space for that oh my gosh some banger women man I know and I don't (gasps) like we've been talking about this I don't know what I'm gonna do now that we're done with Austin I don't know what to do with myself I'm going to have to find something else to read. It's been a year of audiobooks keeping me company. Wow. And like carrying around these books in my bag for Mm -hmm. a year. So I think that there's definitely some uh, time for us to take to soak in all of the good stories Mm. that we've experienced this year. And wow, I'm a bit overwhelmed. I'm feeling nostalgic and sad Mm -hmm. and also really happy. What's that called? Because that's how I'm feeling about this year-end episode of Book Nook. Yeah. Is that melancholy? Oh, it's some melancholy. Maybe. Mm, I'm, I'm going to have a bad time, but I'm going to be happy about it. <laughs> I'm going to be happy about it. <laughs> I'm definitely babbling because I don't know how to end this episode. Mm. It's the last one of the year, and I don't know what to do. I don't know. Well, I know that I want to wish our listeners a restful winter, I mean, weekends, hey, evenings, a restful, hope you get some couch time, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. Restful winter solstice oh because we are recording this on the winter, solstice. the winter solstice. My husband reminded me of that. We're He's so like, cool. hey. Nailed it. He's paying attention. We planned it that way. Totally. I guess before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. Everybody, happy holidays, restful new year, be safe, have fun with whatever you choose to do. Uh, We are going to take the next two weeks off. We are going to release episodes. We have two retrograde episodes coming out for you. So feel free to tune in. Uh, Just be reminded of some episodes, some themed episodes. Iconic. From earlier on. Where did we come from, Morgan? (sighs) Yes. Digged we digged into the annals of the our finals. <laughs> the annals of Abpod history. <laughs> yes. Cornerstone episodes. It's like Abpod Origins. Oh my gosh. Boom. Yes. Retrograde. Gorgeousness. So we will have retrogrades coming out 
the first two weeks of January, and then we will be back the third week. Season three, baby, it's on. Oh my gosh. 2024. Woo, woo, woo. Okay, well, Sam, should we wrap this up? Yeah, we got to get out of here. Wow. Wrapping up season two. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you in the new year. Love and abundance. Bye.